I'm Audrey Hollenberg Duffy. And I'm her husband, Tim Hollenberg Duffy. We are a married couple doing pastoral ministry together who also enjoys theological chats. Especially as they relate to the church, an institution we know to be crucial for faith and practice. So grab a cup of coffee and join us for our meanderings as we ponder a faithful Jesus way forward. Welcome to another episode of Coffee with the Pastors. This episode is a Popcorn with the Pastors special feature. Audrey and I are joined today by our brothers and resident scholars, Andy Duffy and Nathan Hollenberg, who today will be scholars in the theme of video games. Mm-hmm. You know, I was listening to NPR the other day. I bet you were. Yeah. And uh, they were they were talking about how, I think it was the Grammys, there's like a category now for video game music in the Grammys. And they talked about how big the video game industry was. I had no idea. It's been a long time since uh, Donkey Kong 64 for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think those 8-bit uh, soundtrack s- songs are winning any awards. But you no, know, they got like video games these days have full orchestras and everything. It's, it's oh, like, yeah. crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were playing some clips and I thought, oh, my goodness. And some major major stars like go that direction to launch music or they're pulling special bits of uh, pop music. Anyway. I actually have a Spotify playlist that I listen to that's like adventure music and it's got the soundtrack for several video games. I, I don't know the games myself, but mm-hmm. it's great music. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, uh, the only point in me bringing that up, we're not talking about video game music today. I just didn't realize how large the industry had got that mm-hmm. It was now bigger than Hollywood movies. Worthwhile to talk about and some of the ethical and spiritual uh, connections that we can make. Andy and and Nathan, maybe get us going. Just tell us some of what you're playing. Well, first, because we don't play. Yeah, we don't. Let's just say the last time we played, Tim was playing Madden. And I loved Harry Potter Lego. And it was like a nine-month period of our lives. And before that, our video game history goes back to Nintendo 64, I think. Well, and I never played Nintendo 64 growing up. I was a Super Nintendo. And so I could never uh, figure out the remote for N64. And I I wanted <laughs> to play Nintendo 64 Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball, but Andy would never play that with me. He wanted to play... Lord of the Rings and whatever other Zelda and every other fantasy game. <laughs> Not accurate. So anyway, what are you guys playing now? Zelda's still a thing, right? Oh yeah. Oh man, I I took me a whole year to play the uh, Breath of the Wild, the big um, kind of relaunch of of Zelda for the Switch platform. But I I tend to be into those sorts of single player open world typically fantasy science fiction or or some sort of historical setting usually with um, moderate amounts of violence just because of the nature of the story i i'm usually drawn to story you know good story based video games um rpgs which means role player game for non-gamers. Yes. Yeah, I was about yeah. to say, yeah, you use the layman terms of... Uh... <laughs> Where you are the protagonist. Nathan, do you play similar games? So, like, interestingly enough, there, I only play one game. 
these days. Part of it's because it's it's been going on for almost ten years now. Uh, it, it's it's an online multiplayer game. It's not World of Warcraft, if people are trying to guess, which was like the first original kind of game. But it's a game that continues to get updated with new stories. It, it, it's a cohesive story that continues to build. It's called Destiny. It's very much Star Wars esque. There are multiple races. Uh, there's galactic wars. There's uh, evil and darkness. But uh, it, this does a better job of making that a little more obscure. Of of sort of uh, one of the famous lines from the game is the the line between light and dark is so very thin. And so it's sort of that puts moral dilemmas before the characters. It's reliant upon you playing with real uh, other other players. Um, there are like three man activities, six man activities, and those are other players you're playing with and communicating with. So it's very complex because of all that. And there's always something to do. I don't have time for other games, nor do I want to in- feel like I want to invest in anything else just because I very much enjoy this world. And it has a lot of lore. It would be the the gaming term, which is sort of this, they've built up this world like Star Wars and you can read about the history before even the game starts in that made-up world. So it's really quite intensive. Um, the flip side is every once in a while, I mean, my boys and my wife will play things. We have we have a Wii, like, the, you know, not, not in a Switch, but a Wii. And they'll play Mario games on that. We, every once in a while, we'll play Mario Kart together. We also have a Super Nintendo and a regular Nintendo. So, you know, sometimes I'll go retro with the boys. Uh, I don't let the boys play Destiny because it is much more of a, 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 a well, it is a violent video game. You're you're at war essentially with the, the forces of evil, whereas Mario Kart, you're just throwing turtle shells at one another. So it feels a little bit different, but uh, th- that those are the things I'm involved in. Um, I, I had an Xbox at one, at one time at one point, um, and I would dabble in kind of similar games as Andy was saying. Um, I don't have any of those consoles anymore. I, I play Destiny on a, on a computer, PC. Probably won't be playing anything else. Don't have interest in sports games or anything like that. Why? Why did you have interest in sports games, Tim? Because I, I don't know. I like sports. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I mean, know. you can you can like sports and not necessarily like playing them on on. Video I don't know. Games. I always liked. I mean, when we were Is it kids, strategy kind of things or. I don't know. My dad would often play them with me because uh, somebody else who's on this group wouldn't. <laughs> and it was interesting. I mean, you know, he, he could actually, he could play them, which was kind of cool. And and the players were real. So if you were kind of like fantasy sports now in some ways, maybe, you know, you're tracking actual characters and actual clubs. So I, I don't know. I could, that's, that's what I liked to play when I was a kid. It was interesting though. We had some rules where Andy and I went to daycare, especially in the summertime. Oh, yeah. um, video games were a big thing, and uh, there were what, like six guys. At least. We were all young boys. There were no girls in that daycare. <laughs> um, the game that lasted years there was Goldeneye on Nintendo 64 and a first person shooter kind of game. I remember how I think frustrated our parents were about that and not knowing how to break that, that habit of all of us getting together to play and you could play four people at a time and that kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. um, the violence was just too real and personal and you were too involved in it. 
that that really yeah, frustrated them. I feel like, and even in, in my mind today, for some reason, games with guns feel different than games where I'm swinging a sword. <laughs> and maybe it's because guns are too real. Like, it feels it feels disturbingly real with gunplay versus magic or... That might just be me. But I remember those days of playing first-person shooter games. I remember that we could all play it together, so maybe that was a reason why we did it a lot. Did your parents ever say why? I think they told us because it, it was too violent. Mm-hmm. And we don't we do not do weapons in this house. I mean, that was a pretty clear rule in our house that toy weapons weren't, weren't a thing. Except lightsabers. <laughs> well, lightsabers were Poor different. Guys. <laughs> we we had one weapon one well actually two we had we did have a version of laser laser tag mm, mm-hmm. for a while and then we had one nerf weapon which was so far from looking real it was like neon blue and it was a um like bow and arrow with the the nerf was the that quote-unquote arrow (laughs) that was that was all we were allowed to have growing up yeah and i I, if i remember correctly even the um laser tag just was a really ridiculous looking gun like it just yeah so like i I think this is the difficult thing it's like i'm very aware when it comes to my own sort of thinking about it that it's probably not a well thought out and even ethical rational argument that i have in the sense that you know i tend to be more okay with fantasy violence than i do sort of things that are glorifying real world violence so i i'm not a fan of and have zero interest in and would have more issues with the games that are based off of real war and the weapons that they're using are based off of real guns that people and soldiers use and tactics and things and the game I play, like I said, it's like Star Wars and nothing is based off of sort of real world weapons that everything is kind of magic and fantasy and but it's still violent. I mean, the, the base concept is very similar. When we were going to talk about that, I was like, well, this is gonna be a difficult thing because I'm not sure I have uh, uh, the best of sort of arguments for why I have issues with certain things. And, you know, I know we might talk about it a little bit. My bigger concern there are games that I think just take things way too far and and the technology has gotten so good that games look more and more realistic. So like the concepts haven't changed. Like even Mario, like you're you're jumping on and killing creatures. And that's not that's not different than Destiny. You're you're killing other creatures that aren't human. <laughs> but the the games these days are so much more realistic that the violence is a little more pronounced than jumping on a turtle's head. I mean, I don't know if Mario led people to go jump on turtles, like in real life. I don't think so. But but Pokemon really did make people go to find Pokemon at our churches. So <laughs> clearly a higher level of influence. At, at birds? I mean, I, I like... <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, so for me, and I think, I think we should probably say, you know, there has been, I think video games sometimes get scapegoated when, when violence in the real world happens. Harvard Health released a study that basically acknowledged that that uh, violence among teens is, is, is down overall, even though almost 
like 90 some percent of teams all play violent violent video games basically naming the correlation isn't there doesn't mean it's never a factor i think that like that's kind of important to say but but simply i mean we often hear that argument after perhaps mass shootings or violence among teenagers and they say well you know it's because of all the violent media and you know for me the sort of real easy counter argument is that video games is not unique violent video games are not unique to the united states but things like school shootings are and again not to say that they never have an impact i think you can find instances where people played violent video games and then did violent things but i would argue it tends to be a little more complicated than just that and there are probably other signs and those are the signs i'm looking for when my own kids play so my kids don't play quote unquote realistic violent video games they play things like mario or lego but i'm looking for signs of them getting really frustrated while they're playing and if it's making them angry or they're they're losing control of emotions that's when i as a parent step in and say you need to step away like this is supposed to be fun yes it can be frustrating at times but like we're gonna we're gonna evaluate how this is making us feel and if it's no longer fun if it's making us angry then we need to step away even if your allotted time to play isn't up and so some of it's about helping them regulate emotions because for me video games is a little bit of escapism just like movies are for me it, they, they can be a joyful thing, but when they become something that leads to obsession or leads to unhealthy emotions, ag aggression and anger, maybe not at, I'm not going out and doing aggressive and angry things to other people, but like my initial reaction to what's happening in the game is leading me to be angry and aggressive. Those aren't healthy things. I know? can remember being younger, probably through teen years, and the more time I would spend immersed in a video game world, the more impatient I would be. And I think that would reflect then in how I would treat other people, you know, in a more impatient sort of way. I don't think violent, but there was something to getting used to the kind of immediate feedback. Video game rules are predictable, but real life rules aren't like that. You know, so I would expect things quicker or I would get frustrated when other people weren't getting what I was trying to say really quickly. Hmm. And that's when I had to put limits on my own, my own video game participation, because I could tell there was an effect going on, whether consciously or subconsciously. And, and some of those signs of, of addiction. And I know that's kind of a controversial thing with folks, you know, is video game addiction isn't really addiction. The struggle to put the controller down after however long even just an hour can be really significant like i know i know i need to put this down but just one more mission you know one more quest one more something mm -hmm. um and you just lose sense track of time responsibilities i can see how certain sorts of minds like my own would be more susceptible to that sort of imaginary escape in a negative sort of way. That's certainly my concern. It goes back to, for me, a conversation that we had in my sociology classes when I was in college. Correlation does not necessarily mean causation. And the example that they would always give for that is that there are 
there's a correlation between ice cream sales and drownings. Mm. But that doesn't mean that one has caused the other. In fact, what is actually the cause may more likely be that when it's hot outside, people are more likely to buy ice cream and they're more likely to go swimming. And so the cause may actually be summer (laughs) and not, um, you know, one or the other. Ice cream leads to drownings. So we could decrease drownings and ice cream sales if we fight climate change? Yeah, that's where I was going. Um, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Not like all of a sudden it won't be hot in the summer. (laughs) (laughs) So in part, I was, as you were talking about, you know, violence in real life and violent video games, you know, what other factor have you not, like in sociology, when you're talking about trying to find causation, you need to rule out other factors. And so what other factors might be playing into violent behavior or are there other unhealthy behaviors that are associated with video games other than violence. So I've already heard talk about, you know, there might not be a correlation between violent video games and violent behavior. However, there may be for some people. And so I wonder, you know, just the isolating factor of playing video games by yourself in your house, especially if you're not playing these games where you're you know, you have to team up with other people is the isolation piece, a part that goes into the violent behavior, a separation from other people. And then another conversation is one we already started having is the addictive nature of video games for some people. Is that, that, is that even maybe more of a concern in some instances than playing something violent? If you are prone to, you know, obsess about, something like a game that pulls you from responsibility or from participating in the real world. Is that actually a bigger problem than playing something more violent? And in part, I think part of what the problem may be if we summarized it is being able to distinguish between fantasy and reality. Yeah. So, I mean, like I made a comment, I said video games can be, can be a force of, Form of escapism which is not right. a negative thing but when it becomes the baseline norm that can be the problem where we're right. like having to leave like we don't know how to function outside of that world I and mean, so i would say while you know it, it's complicated like that direct correlation perhaps isn't there they're not finding it it's you know playing video games like i i would argue that playing violent video games does not make you violent but i would say there are dangers and behaviors that might lead people to video games and video games make that worse. Mm. So if someone is already kind of aggressive and has violent tendencies, and then they play things that are violent, then that can further desensitize. If people are not learning how to socialize properly with people in the real world, and then they isolate themselves for hours and hours, then, then that's not getting better. That, that creates a problem. You know, I, I think just a simple scapegoating of, of video games isn't the right thing. And that perhaps, like I said, with my own kids, the things I'm looking for, I mean, I'm making common sense choices. Like they're not going to play things that glorify violence or, you know, video games have ratings on them. 
like based on the violence that are in there, like trying to honor those is a common sense thing to do. But I'm more concerned about those sort of real world behaviors because, I mean, I'll make the comment, my youngest struggles a little bit with when things get frustrating in a video game of kind of reacting with, with anger. But that same behavior shows up when we play card games together that aren't violent whatsoever. It's not because he's playing Lego and and in the Lego game, he's using a Marvel character to defeat other people, which is violent in its own way. It's it's the how do I respond to something not going the way I want it to go? And that's a world behavior. And so, you know, teaching that in, in video games is an opportunity, just like we try to work at that when things don't go his way at dinner time because we're not eating something he wants or when we're playing a card game because it's a game of luck and it's not going his way. That behavior is not just video games. But if we don't address it, the video games will continue to make it worse. I wonder about the things that we mentally and emotionally bring to any of our hobbies when we are looking to relax or when we are looking to accomplish something, right? So what what are the mental, emotional needs that I feel like video games or sports or work are meeting? And if those things are out of balance with the rest of my life, you know, I need to decide what what's what's the what's the most important the most important reality that I'm currently living. If it's work, right? Or if I find that work fulfills a need, it makes me feel like I'm needed, it makes me feel like I'm accomplishing things. It gives me a sense of flow. I might become a workaholic and neglect my home life, family life, personal health, because work makes me feel good. Similarly, if I'm bringing that sense to my video games, because it also has a similar sense of flow and accomplishment, even though it's all fake, but it gives me that little zap of endorphins, right? that make me feel like I'm accomplishing something, it's easy to lose yourself in that. If I'm going for, because I am angry, right? If I'm bringing that to video games, the video games, it, it's much like sports. It could be an outlet, right? A way for me to deal with my anger. Uh, and it could be cathartic. It could be a release. Or it could fuel it more. And that all depends on our personality. You know, oh, I, I'm, I'm enjoying this violence. I'm, you know, I, I feel like I can get it out of my head, out of my body this way. Or, oh, it's making me even more wound up. I think people go to sports the same way. I think it can be a cathartic release of energy, or it can be an aggression fuel that they then carry out, and it just depends on the personality. Don't you think there's there's something about uh, whether it's cathartic or uh, what was the other one? A, a fuel. A fuel mm-hmm. to those self-imposed limits. Because, for instance, with sports, a game, just about any game, falls in the range of two to three hours. And yet, the industry knew how popular that was, and so they sought to figure out how to expand that so that you were in their world um, as much as they could. And so thus we have online gambling options and fantasy teams and something that could consume your your time and attention yeah. and keep you focused. ESPN in between ESPN games. yeah exactly right I mean, if we can if we can 
control this and get you so deeply invested, I think it loses catharsis and now it's just fuel. Yeah. There's no cathartic opportunity in this because it never ends. Well, <laughs> and that's one of my thing? worries, I think, with with video game culture is just that, as as Audrey expressed earlier, just a little bit of a little bit of play, or maybe it was Nathan, an hour of play, and it's hard to it is hard that, to yeah. pull yourself out of that. And boy, if there's games that go on for ten years, then yeah, I had no idea. So all of that has me thinking to a certain extent about self control being a fruit of the spirit and uh, creating those those balances to life. And if if video games is play, that is an important part of life, no doubt about it. But it's balanced with with other healthy habits, <laughs> right? Okay, so then the the one other component of video games that I do want to make sure we talk about is the online component, which I'll admit is really foreign to me because the last time I think I played an online video game, we had dial up and I was it was like nineteen ninety nine. And we had to like call our friends on the phone and say, Hey, I'm going in. See you there in five minutes. My name's mm-hmm. gonna be blah blah blah. <laughs> But anyway, it seems to me like the online participatory games have also gotten a lot of attention for the potential for some pretty precarious contacts. Sounds like, Nathan, your group has some establishment to it and form of trust, but you always hear about the 11-year-old who stumbles in on 30-year-olds using terrible language and talking about things that they shouldn't be talking about even when they're 35, but yeah. <laughs> they do. Well, and that is a, that's a deep awareness. Again, these are the, the, the sort of tertiary things about video games that I think are important that for me are the figuring out which video games I think are violent and are too violent for my kids is the easy part. Mm-hmm. Um, these online interactions, in some ways, this is another thing that parents have to deal with is social media like we live in a digital world and 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 how much access are we going to give our children to that digital world and when and you know things like minecraft even games that are seem on their surface kind of just really innocent mm-hmm. they have online components and if you aren't up to to snuff on what those look like um you know a lot of the the gaming platforms do put in some protections so like like Xbox and PlayStation 5, you can direct message people that you are friends with, but if there is foul language, you can get in trouble. Like there are such things as being banned. You can report people, but that they can't control all things. If you get into some, a lot of games, like have, uh, you know, you have headsets and you can talk to other players that you're playing with and they can say whatever they want. And usually you can't do anything about it. So yeah, I mean, with the game I play, I play with other people, uh, my brother being one of them but we're all dads we're all parents like that's sort of the the community we've created because it's sort of like we have similar life experience we're not college frat boys like that that's not you know if someone has to if we're playing together and someone says hey my kid is sick i need to go it's not a how dare you it's like oh yeah that's more important go so you know that, that we have sort of the same life values but so you it can be wonderful cuz i meet i have people i play with all over the world and that i would not have met in any other way and we know things about each other's lives. And because we played together for so long, we do have that comfort level. But I also know that 
it's like anything social media these days you yeah as a parent that's again one of those things that it's like i i don't want you in those things right now nor do i want you on facebook yeah i was thinking the same thing nathan that there's a lot of parallels to those kinds of anonymous things that people will say on uh, a social media page that i imagine they would do in such a chat space in a in a game and the topics can be similarly aggressive too and the fantasy land that that they are in <laughs> can be uh, one more intentional than the other. <laughs> I want to bring it back to a conversation that you kind of started, Tim. If we're trying to kind of come up with some helpful boundaries to this, because I I think we've all agree it's not ne- it's not necessary to just completely cut it out and not play video games. There's there's not necessarily such a an issue that this is a place where you just draw a very clear-cut line if we're trying to create a kind of faithful connection and faithful relationship with the playing of video games what are some of the things that we would bring into the conversation and i heard you name self-control as a fruit of the spirit and um you know the other ones being uh gentleness (laughs) and so if we find ourselves getting violent because of the games that we're playing that 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 is going against a fruit of the spirit yeah I, I would say i would say <laughs> I, I used to i used to play in a church basketball league <laughs> and i was very naive to what that experience was going to be like because i thought oh this would be great i mean healthy competition people trying hard but you know, we won't get mad at the refs. We won't have to deal with that. Like, we won't have to deal with egos. We won't have to deal with anger. You know, there might be disappointment and things like that. But man, the church leagues can be rough. Yeah. And our family, Audrey, was pretty competitive growing up. And and like, I've had to sort of back up and train myself to say, self-reflection. What is this doing to me? Right. What kind of person am I after I'm done doing this? And is it getting in the way of me of joy of of relationship of, i mean and so that's true about video games that's true about a lot of things in our christian walk mm-hmm. it's sort of it, whatever we are doing for entertainment value or even work does it does it bring up things in me does it does it push against the ways that i know i've been called to live mm-hmm. um, as a follower of jesus and you know if if video games whether they're a violent video game or just Minecraft, you know, remember that little thing you had the thing and you, or not Minecraft. Oh, was that, that mine one. Minesweeper. Minesweeper. Yeah. And I would get so angry because I mean, but you're like, it's hell, you know, there's a, there's a sort of strategy and thinking deeply about it. Mm-hmm. But like, I remember getting, but if it's making you angry or mad, then, then there needs to be a self-reflection on, you know, why that is and, and whether that is, truly what you should be spending your time doing and that has less in my mind to do with video games themselves mm-hmm. i think video games can exacerbate some of those things if we have addictive personalities or aggression or don't handle failure well i think for a lot of people they can be just a source of entertainment and that's a wonderful thing and then they can walk away and, and not have it be anything that impacts them profoundly in a negative way like I said, I think for me, that's true of all of many things in our Christian walk. 
Right. Yeah. And I think I would also say just because, um, you know, it's something that we may struggle with doesn't necessarily mean that the only answer is to cut it out completely. Um, I think that's where the, the fruit of the spirit of self-control comes in is to recognize that, you know, I may be able to do this for a time and then I hit a limit and I need to stop because I, you know, I don't want to say that, you know, just when something becomes hard or difficult, the only response is to cut it out of our lives. It, I, you know, there's a certain amount of building resiliency that I think is good too. But yeah, if that self-control being clear about when you've crossed a boundary, where that boundary is, being able to regulate, self-regulate, I think those are all important components. We could probably go on a lot longer on Well, yeah, Tim was thinking topic. we should ask the question, would Jesus play video games? I could see Jesus chumming and playing some Mario Go-Kart with his pals um, and laughing. I have a really hard time uh, picturing Jesus playing a first-person shooter game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's fair. Yeah. Personally, that that's one space I think that I've drawn my own line in my life. Granted, you know, <laughs> I'm such a cheapskate that that's a hobby that I just uh, have mm -hmm. always kind of just not bothered to gravitate towards. But uh, <laughs> well, the, uh, we've set some very clear boundaries in our family with the use of any type of screen for our kids after dinner. There is no screen time before bedtime, so that that time between dinner. And bed is family time where we don't utilize screens. We play games. And I, that's in part to help with the calming down process. We found that with Anita being in front of a screen before bedtime made bedtime harder for her. And so that was just a boundary that we set. And so there's very practical reasons for us setting that boundary that were based on our kids as individuals and how they interacted with these things. And so I, I think that's an important part of the conversation is to is parents being aware of how these things are impacting their kids in both positive and negative ways. You know, could be teaching them strategic planning puzzles, you know, figuring things out that are that contribute good things to a personality. And then there could be things that Yeah, and I would and, and this is more parenting advice, perhaps, than faith advice. But I think I think they can kind of go hand in hand. But for me, with, with video games, it's, it, there's an awareness that it can't just be a, well, I'm plugging them in and then not paying attention mm -hmm. because they're distracted. Now I can not have mm -hmm. to pay attention. In particular, like an awareness that if it's creating emotions that they're not sure how to deal with, or like like aggression or frustration, then then that's how, you know, then, I, then as a parent, I need to step in in that moment. All right. Well, thanks for the conversation, experts on yeah, I don't think, video games of the last 30 years. Yeah. We, <laughs> as usual, I don't feel like we gave any clear-cut answers, but I think that's kind of the point. <laughs> so thank you for joining us for another exploration of uh, Popcorn with the Pastors with Andy and Nathan. Uh, we, as always, welcome feedback and further conversation. If you want to reach out to us, feel free to message us at coffeewiththepastorspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, this has been Coffee with the Pastors. Live for the glory of God and our neighbor's good. 
The primary purpose of this podcast is for conversation and faith exploration. It is intended for private non-commercial use and does not necessarily reflect the opinion of any agency or organization.